Welcome to Conversations with Leaders, an AWS podcast focused on personal lessons of leadership, culture, and technology from business leaders across the globe. Enjoy today's conversation. Hi, I'm Phil LeBrun, Director of Enterprise Strategy at Amazon Web Services. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Nicole Egan, Chief Strategy and AI Officer, and Mike Beck, Global Chief Information Security Officer, both from Darktrace. Nicole is a co-founder of Darktrace, and is a prominent voice in AI and cybersecurity. Nicole was voted one of the top 25 women leaders in cybersecurity in 2020, and is a regular speaker on the topic globally. Mike joined Darktrace in 2014 and oversees Darktrace's internal security program. Prior to joining, Mike held intelligence roles within the Ministry of Defense and was responsible for implementing the National Cyber Security Strategy for the 2012 London Olympic Games. Nicole, Mike, welcome and thank you for making the time to talk today. Nicole, perhaps we can start with you. I'm interested in a, a brief history on how Darktrace was founded and what you do as an organization. Well, thanks so much for having us. You know, there, there are many areas where AI can make a difference. And we actually started Darktrace as a, an AI research center. And when we set out, we really wanted to make sure our work inherently was meaningful, something that would really have a profound positive impact on the world with our technology. For better or worse, there's always going to be fraudsters, schemers, hacktivists, criminals, nation states, uh, and they try to disrupt the very good work that many of the organizations that are listening to this today are trying to carry out. So, for example, you know, we protect a hospital's neonatal units so that nurses and doctors can provide high quality, life-saving, you know, care. Um, so simply stated, you know, when we started Darktrace, we were on a mission to free the world of cyber disruption, basically trying to give the good guys an upper hand. And we saw AI as a great way to do that. That's a big mission. You have your roots in AI innovation, and you're still doing a lot of groundbreaking R&D on AI today. What made you decide to apply AI to the challenge of cybersecurity? You know, when we first got started, uh it was clear that the threats were going to continue to evolve and change and that the threat actors were starting to embrace the use of advanced technologies themselves. And so we felt that the only way to really help those in IT and in security teams get the upper hand was to give them uh, an equally kind of unfair advantage. And so what we really wanted to do is rather than have humans pouring through log files trying to find the you know inevitable needle in a haystack, why can't AI do this? Why can't artificial intelligence understand how employees work, how a business operates, and how to find the bad actor by looking for patterns of behavior? And so that's really how we evolved, you know, the the AI to help the good guys. Mike, you've been in security for a long time. What are you observing in terms of changes in uh, cybersecurity threats, how they're evolving over the past few years? Yeah, thanks, Phil. I, uh, you've reminded me there, I think 20 years now I've been in, been in cybersecurity. It's changed an awful lot. You know, if I think back to my government days and how cyber attack presented itself back then, there was a lot of it, but it wasn't very sophisticated. It was very easy to track campaigns back then because they were very obvious in, in, in some of their, their tools and techniques. I think roll forward to today, the actors, they're tooled up. They're tooled up in a very kind of sophisticated way. Whether that's building out attack platforms as a service, whether that's highly bespoke 
malware or bespoke tools and techniques that are targeting specific organizations. The range is still very interesting what those actors are doing, but they're operating at a different level than they were perhaps five, five years ago. One of the biggest things that I've seen in terms of difference of the actor is their ability to blend into the organization. And that can be right from the front end of that kill chain in terms of reconnaissance and phishing and you know things like that that blend into the communication profiles all the way through to acting like a sysadmin inside living off the land and using kind of less signaturable elements in that attack process. What do you see as the key security challenges that businesses are facing today, apart from obviously, as you describe, a more sophisticated type of attack? I think there's two very clear things there that security teams are dealing with. The first is raw compute power. Today, the the access to compute power, the way that's changing our digital lives, it's changing businesses, it's changing how we operate and, and our communication inside businesses. That's just a real big scale factor that security teams are having to deal with. Now, the digital data pots that exist inside a business today are vast in terms of how a company is going to market, their back-end operation, their communication platform, their third-party supply chain. All of these things are incredible scales now that I don't think perhaps we had a couple of years ago. I think the second element, and it goes back to your first question really, is, 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 the, is, is the threat landscape. The actor is changing in terms of how they're performing the attacks. The tools that the actor is using to target these companies has changed significantly. I'm sure we'll get into a generative AI discussion further down the line, but it's but it's had a huge impact on the defenses of security teams. So I think those are the two big elements that security teams are facing. I'd add in a third piece that, you know, when I speak to my peers, everybody is hyper aware of, and that's the talent pipeline for cybersecurity professionals. We're in a space now where technology is rapidly changing. How we glue our systems together is changing. And we have a relatively small access to cybersecurity professionals that understand that from a, from a technical point of view. Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective. I, I remember listening to one professor who said, by the end of the semester on machine learning, what was taught at the start of the semester has already become dated. So just keeping up to date with some of those skills is, is uh, immensely complex. What was, uh, what was that watershed moment when Darktrace could see a real shift in the increasing sophistication and the speed of attacks that might talk to. I do think generative AI definitely was a seismic shift. You know, we had been long predicting that the threat actors would start embracing AI, what's termed offensive AI, as part of the attack arsenal. But just like Gen AI took off much faster around the world than people expected, we also started seeing its use by the threat actors, I think, at scale much more quickly as well. So, for example, past year, we saw a 135% increase in novel social engineering attacks, right? Emails that show strong linguistic deviation compared to the traditional phishing emails. So the world's changing very quickly. And I think that while we've been at this at Darktrace for over 10 years using artificial intelligence as part of defense, not everyone might have realized how important this this seismic shift was going to be, and none of us could predict, you know, when it was exactly it was going to happen. But I'd say uh, in the in 2023, with the uh, fast rise of the adoption of Gen AI, that is the seismic shift. 
Generative AI is such a hot topic. Has it changed the security landscape at all in terms of not so much bad actors, but we've seen some of those stories out there about employees doing confidential data and large language models, and then that obviously leaked into competitors and such like. How's that shifted how you're looking at security or your customers are looking at security? Yeah, I think it's, again, I mean, you've hit, hit on one of the hot topics, I think, in terms of how does generative AI help the security team? How does generative AI change how the security team looks at what the business wants to achieve and how they're using generative AI inside the business? We've done an awful lot of work with customers on building out policies, building out modeling techniques to be able to look at how businesses are consuming generative AI on, on, on any given day. But it's a huge moment in digital history, this ability to use AI in this way. And a lot of people are playing with it and understanding it and figuring out where it can be useful. So as a security professional, you know, I'm fascinated by it. You know, I think it's, it's super important that there are mechanisms built in to, to try and use it and to, and to see how it can change our workflow, change our ability to analyze and to, you know, particularly report, you know, I think there's a, there's a huge element of what generative AI can do there. But you, you can't lose sight of the fact that you have to understand, you know, where that data is going, uh, who else has access to that data? Is it contributing to an external learner model? You know, is it a number of different hooked together data sets and where are those data sets? You know, it's really changing some of the privacy conversations around corporate data as well. So I love the technology. I love being able to play with it myself. It's just creating a lot of buzz in the security community, how you deal with some of the things I've just mentioned. Phil, I'd love to add to that because I think that I spend a lot of my time talking to executives and boards of directors at uh, Darktrace customers and this area of you know, policy. So 88% of public companies now have a policy around Gen AI and LLMs. I guess that's the good news. The bad news is when you ask them how they're enforcing that policy, that's where it gets really tricky, right? Because a lot of these policies right now are very granular. In fact, some companies are, are forming groups or committees to actually evaluate the use cases, and they might select certain use cases. They might actually say that certain approved large language models, for instance, in the medical community, they might approve certain models, but not the use of other models. And I think what's happening is they're creating the policies, but actually without the use of artificial intelligence, it's almost impossible to enforce those very nuanced policies. I think the other thing that happens is that, uh, as Mike said, people want to play around with this, right? People are playing around with it as consumers in their personal life, and they're getting really interested. And then they start thinking about ways that this might be able to help them at work. And if companies don't move fast enough to license enterprise versions, then people just start using the consumer versions in their work life. And that's dangerous because those consumer versions don't have the same safeguards or guardrails around them. So those are, are two of the trends that I'm seeing at the moment. We hope you're enjoying this discussion. To engage with other business leaders on these topics, follow us on LinkedIn at AWS Executive Connection. Now back to our conversation. One of the things we've seen is about 92% of companies are saying they're at that experimental level you talk about, whether it's in a function individually or across the organization. They're trying to figure out 
where does generative AI fit in their organization? How can they use it to transform their business operations, their customer experience? How are you using it internally, whether it's it's for your products, for customers, or even in your internal operations? Yeah, as you would hope and expect, there's an awful lot of usage of generative AI inside Darktrace. But it is very much different kind of usage for different teams. So I think if I look at the dev team, you know, they are heavily immersed in it. They are doing an awful lot of work in those language models and how they glue together and how Darktrace can bring that into product and how we utilize it inside the current product today. If you look at other parts of the business where we have a much more predictable operating model, they are given these types of SaaS platforms to operate inside. There's still some usage that other that other software vendors are pulling through of generative AI into, into those products as well. So they're starting to get to grips with it in those ways. There's a big cultural piece inside Darktrace because we're an AI company, are giving access to our employees, the means and ways to understand some of this technology. There's a lot of education sessions that happen in and amongst the teams. And it's making sure that culturally, Darktrace stays right at the cutting edge of that development. It's super important that it's not just developers and techies that are playing with this. It's making sure our entire workforce is being brought along on that AI journey. And that's quite interesting as we're on our sixth generation of AI, right, in 10 years. And I think that we see that Gen AI is one of the phases and it's one of the techniques, um, but we expect there's going to be a seventh, eighth, ninth and 10th generation as well, right? So it's also looking and using the right AI to solve the the right problem is, is a big theme that we have within Darktrace. And I think one thing we've come to realize too is you have to think about the workflow, right? So if you take two different individuals and you give them, and say in Mike's world, you give two different individuals the same alert around a threat. If they write slightly different prompts as the interface, right, to the Gen AI, they'll actually get different answers and different actions. Well, that can wreak havoc on a security operations center, which is all about, you know, speed and efficiency. And so I think it's it's also going back and really thinking through what does that workflow look like and running some tests and some experiments. And again, not limiting yourself to only Gen AI. It's, it's uh, one of many tools in the toolbox, so to speak. Well, you sort of opened up another interesting topic there. So you talk about the eighth or ninth generation of machine learning. If you brought your crystal ball with you, what emerging technology trends do you think are going to have the most significant impact on on industries and societies over the next 10 years? Well, every time I've I've heard anybody with a, a technology crystal ball, it never has seemed to be accurate. So not sure that we have the answer on that either. But I, I do think the pace that we're seeing of the change and the evolution of AI And the stage we're at right now where we're looking for humans to think about the questions to ask and then expect the AI to just give us answers, I think the next logical evolution and something that Darktrace has already done with AI is how do you actually get it to do more of the work for you without necessarily knowing the questions to ask, right? And I think that's really important that the AI can can do a lot more than just provide us answers in a chat format. And so I think it's it's going to be much more interactive. There's going to be a whole phase that comes after Gen AI, which is much more the AI kind of surfacing information to humans and then us uh, even expecting the AI or multiple AIs to engage with each other with maybe the humans confirming 
uh, what actions we want taken. But I think that we need to move past this, this idea that this is just kind of an interface to a content management system. I think cloud has changed this a lot as well, right? The compute power, the direction of travel of data, you know, being co-located inside cloud. As we go further and further down that journey, we get access to an awful lot of power and co-located data to do an awful lot more reasoning from. So in the next couple of years, it could be really exciting to see, you know, just how much better some of the analytics and reasoning that comes from bringing those two pieces of the puzzle together. So what parting wisdom can you give to listeners about not just having a robust cyber security strategy, but even how to go about making sure they do do invest the time and energy in the right places to make sure that that strategy actually really has legs? I would start with pointing out that good security comes from people, process, and techniques. And I think the thing that I always say to all of our customers is, you know, utilizing AI alongside your human team is a real force multiplier. It gives you an enormous ability to process an incredible amount of data. But I always want to talk about operationalizing AI. It's not just this magic thing that pops up and then the AI is giving you brilliant results. You, You partner with it. You have to partner with AI. It's part of the team. It's part of the workflow. It's part of how you go about your everyday process in that team. It's making sure they understand what they can harness from that AI and what they need to do to utilize their domain knowledge, to utilize their experience and their relationships in the business to propel that security team forward. So my golden piece of advice that I leave our customers with is that operationalizing AI piece. I think in terms of my words of wisdom, you know, I'll go back to making sure you're thinking through the how this aligns to your business strategy, that you're using the right AI for the right job. And probably most importantly, remember that, you know, AI is all about the data. And I think we're going to see a lot more of whether we call them enterprise AI models or personalized AI models. It's so important that the data that you're applying the AI to is the data that you can trust. And I think that element of trust is going to be so fundamentally important to AI and how it's going to help increase you know, productivity and efficiency. But if we can't trust the data and we can't trust the AI, we won't have great adoption. We won't get the business results we want. Great advice. And in some ways, that fear of missing out with generative AI has triggered executives now to really start thinking seriously about the data, whether they're going to use it for reporting analytics or to train a language model. Nicole, Mike. Thank you for spending time with us. Thank you for sharing some insights into how you're helping some of the world's biggest organizations secure themselves. And also some insights just from being long-term practitioners of using artificial intelligence to run their own business. Thank you for having us, Phil. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for listening to this episode of Conversations with Leaders brought to you by AWS Executive Insights. For more on these topics, visit aws.amazon.com slash executive insights. While there, visit our generative AI and ML page for more resources to help you unlock the value of generative AI for your business.